Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. About three months ago, um, a word started announcing, I, I don't know any other way to say it, and it just started coming up in my heart. When I'd wake up in the morning, the word protection would come up in my heart. It happened repeatedly, repeatedly, and I talked to Tony about it. I said, uh, something is really important on the heart of God regarding protection. And um, I don't know, I know what we're involved in now, but it doesn't seem just to be about, about things that we know of now. It also has to be an equipping for things that are yet ahead of us. And, and so he equips us in faith, unlike uh, different things that come from uh, the kingdom of darkness actually make people tense up and be afraid. God gives his word that equips us and prepares us in faith and in trust. So uh, when Tony asked me to share on three Sundays, then I knew this is what the Lord would have us to talk about is, is protection. So a couple weeks ago, we looked into the word of God and we actually looked at promises regarding protection, and we only gave a fraction of them, but just looking at what the Bible promises regarding protection is really amazing. It's really amazing, but what we saw is that protection is activated. The shield that the Bible repeatedly talks about is actually activated by trust, and so uh, you can have it, your trust plugged into a number of different things, but uh, we can put our trust purposefully and needs to be put purposefully in God. And we do that individually. It's interesting also that this terminology to put your trust in the Hebrew also has a meaning of take refuge. So sometimes it's translated, put your trust or trust. Other times it's translated, take refuge. Don't you find that's interesting? So trusting God actually brings you into a place of refuge and protection in God. So we're going to go on today and uh, look at different ways that God protects. Um, when I was growing up, uh, yeah, I, I grew up with uh, four other siblings, and uh, three of those siblings are quite close in age. Uh, we didn't have a, a television until I think I was in, in my teenage years. I know, I know that's bizarre and can hardly imagine. Maybe some people had that same experience, but we didn't have a television. Um, what we had was a phonograph console. Anybody else have uh, listened to records of music? Yeah, LPs, and then there were also the 45s, and then the, even the 78s. And we would listen, and us, us four kids, um, we would get around. My youngest brother came some years later, but we would crowd around every night around that console and listen to a radio um, 
show called The Sandman. It was just 15 minutes, and it was a bedtime story. And so we would crowd around and listen to a bedtime story. And Lynn listened to songs. And um, after we had done that, then we would, uh, we would get on the couch with my dad. We would crowd around Daddy. And one of us would get on his shoulders as he was sitting down, and he would open the great big purple Bible story book. And while he would read one of the stories in the Bible story book, one of us would comb his hair. And uh, bless his heart, we combed it out. <laughs> so um, anyway, he would read us one of the stories in that great big purple Bible story book. That story book had a lot of pictures. And because um, our eyes were so hungry for, you know, we weren't seeing anything on, on television or anything. Our eyes were hungry. We would just be staring at those pictures. And in time, in our imagination, they would animate. And we would start picturing the story that Daddy was talking about. And so the stories that Daddy would read, um, bedtime stories, weren't Hansel and Gretel or the Three Bears. Um, they were from this book. And they, they really happened. And what I love about this book is um, it's full of doctrine, truths about all, any and all things. But there's stories in this book. The Old Testament is full of stories. The New Testament is also with stories. This book is like a, a family album. When you and I go to heaven one day, we'll meet the people whose stories are in this book. And because their stories are so real to me, I feel like I'll know them. May not even have to be introduced to them, you know, you just, oh, I know you. Beautiful stories, not make-believe, not pretend, real. And they're the stories of our family. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, there's um, a compilation of quite a number of people, for all from the Old Testament, and what they did by faith, all of them miraculous in a sense. So family members of our family in God all have amazing stories, different. We don't all have the same stories. They're different. But in Hebrews 11th chapter, I always pictured Hebrews 11 like one of those, those castles in the library where there would be pictures of the ancestors and each ancestor has a story and you could walk around this massive library and say, this one has this story and this one has this story and recount the story and Psalms, the 78th chapter, it said, recount the stories of what God has done so that the generation that is to come will have somebody to put their hope in. 
Right? So one of the songs we sang today was, He's the God who was. Well, we're going to look at what God has done for some of our family members. It's really quite extraordinary because God is a God who protects. And we're only going to look at a few because we don't have time to look at more. But it's so many beautiful stories to give us an example of the different ways that God protects. Of all of those ways, I've kind of identified two different sections or two general types of protection. And the first one is that God protects or is a shield from danger. He protects us from danger. The second is that he is a protection in danger. All right? So the first one, the protection from danger is escape. He helps you escape and you don't even, you don't even confront the danger. You're not actually in contact with it at all. And this kind of protection comes about because the people, I'm talking about our family that have experienced this kind, they came to know uh, necessary facts that enabled them to escape. Number two, there was supernatural exposing of danger. So something hidden and sinister that the devil was going to do or enemies were going to do, and God exposed it. Number three, Divine favor was also uh, a way that God brought about protection from danger. So we're going to look at several different ones. We're going to jump in here with, with Saul and David. Um, Saul's, Saul had two children who fell in love with David. And uh, nearly the first time they laid eyes on him. And Michael, if you'll go ahead and put the first one up, Michael was a, was a, a gift from Saul, King Saul. He was a gift, uh, or she was a gift to David for killing a bunch of enemies. And so David, who had just been a little shepherd guy, just a, a shepherd, ends up marrying a princess it's quite an honor, except for the princess found out that her dad was going to try to kill her husband. And she let him down out of her bedroom window or their bedroom window by a rope that she made of sheets. And David escaped her father. Jonathan loved David. David was his best friend and found out something that he didn't want to believe at first, found out that his father was in fact going to try to kill David. And so he also helped David escape. Here's another escape story where protection comes through escape. And that is with Paul. Now, uh, Paul escaped um, more than once. 
repeatedly he escaped, and sometimes he escaped because of information that was given to him in advance. He was able uh, to escape the danger. This is one of, this is my favorite of those. And this was early in his ministry. He found out that he, uh, he that he is, his life was in danger, and his friends uh, lowered him out of the city in a basket, and he got away. And you think about this story; it's really quite uh, quite remarkable. Because this was in Saul, uh, this was in Paul's early days of ministry. Those men didn't know exactly who they were helping escape. They didn't know that they were helping to escape the man who would write most of the epistles of the Bible. Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy. No, they didn't know that. They don't even have names in the Bible. But they contributed to the protection that God gave to Saul or to Paul. Let's look at another one. He was Saul. He turned into Paul. Different Saul. Here's another one. I don't have a picture for that. I couldn't find one, but we're coming into Christmas. And, and the wise men, uh, of course, you know, they followed a star and, and uh, it led them to Jesus. Uh, but part of that journey led them through the court of a crazy king, Herod. And they told uh, him why they were coming, and uh, they were able to find the information that they needed to actually go to the place where Jesus was. They found it by prop, the prophetic writings. But they also alerted, inadvertently, they, uh, they alerted King Herod, crazy King Herod, that there was a king, a baby king. So he went nuts, and he's planning to kill Jesus. So... Um, in Matthew 2 and verse 12, these wise men had a dream and were instructed to go home a different way because surely King Herod would have killed them as well. This leads us to another escape protection, and that was uh, with Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, had a dream. And in the dream, an angel appeared to him and said, take the mother and the child and get out of here. He didn't tell him to stand up and fight. He didn't tell him to stay and pray that there would be a heart change in Herod. He said, get out of here. And thank God, Joseph didn't think about it and didn't think, you know, why is he telling us to go to Egypt? Egypt is a type of the world. That's the place where we were all slaves. He would, God wouldn't tell us to go to, to Egypt. God did tell him to go to Egypt, and thank God they did. Joseph took Mary and the baby. And then there was another dream that told Joseph there the angel told Joseph, it's time to go back. That king has, has died. It's time to go back. Now here's another one. Here's another one of our family stories of escape. 
uh, Esther escapes death and saves her people by divine favor. How is that an escape? Well, she escaped certain death, absolute certain death, through the divine favor on her life when she found out what uh, King Ahasuerus' evil plan was or his plan to destroy her and all her people. Uh, uh, the king didn't know that she was included, didn't know that she was a Jewess. But she fasted and prayed and asked her servants and the people, uh, her people to pray and fast. And after they did, in chapter 5, the Bible says that she put on her garments and beautified herself. But through that prayer and fasting that she did, there was something else that she was clothed with. And the Bible tells us that we are surrounded with favor as with a shield. Favor can literally be a shield. Not just only an attraction, but a shield against evil as well. So when Esther came to talk to King Ahasuerus, she came uninvited, which was against protocol, and she could die as a result if he didn't extend a scepter and accept her presence. When she came into his court, and when he looked upon her, he not only extended the scepter, but he said, what do you want? She hadn't uttered one word yet. He looked at her, and he said, what do you want? I'll give you half of my kingdom. Oh, I imagine her clothes were pretty, and I imagine her hair was amazing, and I imagine her lip lipstick was just exactly the right shade, and it matched her fingernails. But nobody is that pretty. There was something else on that woman. There was favor on that woman that made him extend his scepter and offer her half of his kingdom. Let's look at another one. Joseph escapes death and worse options by divine favor. <laughs> that doesn't look like divine favor to me. Look at that. What are they doing to him? Well, those guys are, her, are his brothers. Joseph knows that through dreams that he's had, that he has a divine destiny that will that looks somehow like he's a ruler. It doesn't have the details, but he knows he's a ruler. His brothers are real jealous of the favor on his life, and they throw him in this pit. You say, that's favor? Mm -hmm. You know what the other option was? Kill him. <laughs> that's favor. It's the best of the two options. There was one of the brothers said, when they were fixing to kill him, one of the brothers said, no, no, let's not do that. Let's not do that. We'll put him in this pit. Divine favor. You say, I don't know, that just doesn't seem like favor to me. 
God's got to get him to the place where he will eventually save the population from certain starvation through a, a, a famine. How's he going to do it? It started here. In that pit, then, you know, some people came by some that were selling slaves, and the brothers, again, favor, rather than leaving him in the pit to rot, let's sell him to these slave traders. You say, that doesn't sound like favor to me. Mm, it, it's a lot better than rotten in a pit. <laughs> he ends up down in Egypt on a, on a slave block. You say, that doesn't sound like favor to me. Oh, yeah, it sounds like favor because who bought him was Potiphar. Potiphar gave a house that gave, uh, had him the ruler in his house eventually where Joseph became very familiar with ruling and decisions and money and all kinds of things that are necessary, not just for ruling a, ma a rich man's house, but ruling an empire. <laughs> it's a different way, a different look that this shield is. Let's look at another story. In a different category, because now we want to look at uh, the protection that comes not from danger, and there are more in the Bible. But this category that we're going to look at is actually the protection in danger. Now, if you're signing up for the kind of protection that you prefer, it won't be this one, probably. You're going to most often opt for the first kind of protection. I don't even want to see it. It's like, beam me up, Scotty. Get me out of here. I don't even want to see as see the enemy, get me out of here. But in the Bible, the stories of the Bible, by far the majority of protection is not protection from danger, it's protection in danger. How does that come? Number one, it comes through angels. Number two, divine presence. Number three, promises of God. Number four, nature. Yeah, really, nature. Number five, supernatural intervention. Number six, divine assistance. Let's see how far we can get into these. And we've just taken just a teeny, teeny um, examples from these. Let's look at the first one. Elisha and his servant are protected by an angel army. The Syrian army had come to get Elijah. Now, this is really remarkable because the Syrian army didn't come to take the town, come to take the country. They came to get one man of God that kept on um, exposing their, their evil plans. And so Elisha's servant looked out, and all he could see was this Syrian army that is surrounding the whole city to come and get Elisha and, and him too. And so he cries out in fear. Elisha prays and says, God, open his eyes. 
God opened the servant's eyes, the young servant's eyes, and when he did, he saw the mountain filled with angels of fire. And then, that is where the scripture comes in that says, Elisha said, there are more that be with us than they that be with them. Let's look at another story. How about this one? Daniel is protected from lions by an angel. Yes, he was protected from lions, but he was not protected from the lion's pit. He was actually put in it. You say, <laughs> I'm not really so keen on that kind of protection. I, I don't want to get in that pit. What is the advantage of God actually having his, his, his man, his representative, in a, in a den of lions? When Daniel went in, he went in um, actually favored by the king, but the king couldn't reverse this edict. He had to go through with it. Daniel was actually quite influential in, the com in, in, in Babylon, but when he got out, the king elevated him and made the greatest proclamation about our God, about our father. A Babylonian king declared the greatness of our God. Why? Because he saw that. Let's look at another one. Peter is rescued from prison and execution by an angel. He's, he's protected. Now, James was beheaded. And then they, they said, okay, let's, that really pleased some people. Let's behead Peter. So he was in prison waiting execution. The Bible says that the church prayed. When you actually read the whole story, there's no indication of what they prayed. There's no indication that they prayed for deliverance or even protection. I think that they must have prayed in other tongues. Because when Peter did get out and ends up going to the prayer meeting, they don't even believe that he's standing there. They think he's a ghost. He's going to be executed the next day, and he's fast asleep. He's so deep in sleep that an angel has to actually hit him and wake him up. And get, get him out. It wasn't even until he was past the second gate that he even comes to and think, says, this is real. So he's not even believing for, 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 for <laughs> to be escaping. He's not even thinking it. Amazing. That's a picture of trust, isn't it? Just went to sleep. Let's look at another one. There's one of Paul's. He's protected during a storm and shipwrecked by a message from an angel. 
Paul, this is in the latter part of his life, Paul told this ship captain, don't, don't do this voyage. I'm telling you, it's going to be bad. But the ship captain, I mean, who's, why would he listen to a prisoner? He's just taking him from point A to point B. He was like, okay, shut up and go, go sit back down. Sure enough, crazy storm. It's been weeks, no sun, no stars. They can't navigate anything. They throw all their cargo out of the ship. And an angel peers to Paul. And he says, I've got an appointment for you to talk to Caesar. You're not dying. I have more important things for you to do. Incidentally, everybody gets saved because you're not going down. Amazing. They did exactly what the angel said to do, and Paul told the people the next day, he said, be of good cheer, I've heard from God. <laughs> and he had. He gets snake bit. He gets snake bit after he gets out of that ship. He was putting together a fire and a, fire, a, snake, a snake came out, out of the wood, latched itself onto his arm and everybody on that island around that area knows that kind of snake. Okay, it's a brown snake. It's, I, it wasn't brown, but it was something that everybody knows you drop dead. They watched him and he doesn't. This protection came from a promise. Jesus said in, in Matthew or in John, uh, uh, Mark, the 16th chapter, he said, you pick up snakes and venomous snakes and they won't hurt you. Jesus wasn't talking about it being some kind of a cult of passing around venomous snakes. He was saying, if any of this kind of situation ever happens in your mission, in your work in God, don't worry, snakes will not hurt you. You know what he did? After he shook this snake off into the fire, they were all listening. At first they were saying, oh, he's doomed by the gods. He escaped the sea and now he's being bit by a snake. And then they saw him not die. They said, he's a god. Paul said, I'm not a god, but let me tell you about God. And it gave him a, a platform, an opportunity to preach the gospel to everybody. How about, how about this one? I love this one. The three Hebrew children were protected from fire. Again, not from the fiery furnace. They were protected by the fire in the furnace. And the reason they were is, you said, I thought you said three Hebrew children. I did. There's four. Let me tell you one of the little songs. I'm not going to sing it. Tell you one of the little songs I, we used to listen to, the four of us around that console. I wish I'd have had somebody uh, that can do rap do this. Because I hope I get it right. Are you ready? Now the prophet Daniel tells about three men who walked with God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the wicked king they stood. 
And the king commanded them bound and thrown in the fiery furnace that day. But the fire was so hot that the men were slain that forced them on their way. Now when the three were cast in and the king rose up to witness this awful fate, he began to tremble at what he saw and in astonished tones he spake. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of that fire? For lo, I see four men unhurt, unbound, and walking down there. There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery coals they trod. And the form of the fourth man that I see is like the Son of God. And then the Course says this, they wouldn't bend. They, they held on to the will of God, so we are told. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't bow their knees to the idol made of gold. They wouldn't burn. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. Don't you like that one? That used to give me goosebumps when I'd listen to that as a little girl. One more. Paul and Silas are freed from prison by an earthquake. Wow. I'm sure it would have been lovely, and they would have loved it if God delivered them from the beating that they got, from delivering a young 16-year-old girl from demons. She was demon-possessed. The thanks they got was actually a beating, and they got thrown into a prison where they were shackled like this. Nobody was in there encouraging them. Come on, let's sing. Let's sing to the Lord. Let's think of something lovely about Jesus and sing. Nobody was in there. They were just beaten and bruised. But what was in their heart of what they knew about God gave them a song in their mouths. And they started singing, singing. And, and when they did, there was an earthquake that shook the whole prison and, and unshackled everyone in it. The jailer got saved. Prisoners got saved. They started this church in Philippi, and we have a book in the Bible <laughs> of a letter written to a church that started in a prison. Praise the name of the Lord. There's more. There's so many, many, many more. That's all we have time for today. Let me just mention this one. Is it okay you got time for one more? Yeah. Samson. Samson, these guys, we're going to see them. I just wonder if, you know, we have pictures. Those abs are to just fight for. <laughs> Glorious abs. I don't know if he was actually built like that or not just on any given day or if he was a scrawny guy that when the Holy Ghost would come upon him would turn into that. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? There aren't, the, there aren't repeats of Samson in protection stories in the Bible. What do you mean? Samson was a, a single hero that saved the Israelites from, from uh, you know, the torment of the Philistines. 
but I, I think as humans, we look for a human, we look for a, a human hero. Somebody to save us. And, and we have all the Marvel characters, we have all the superhuman people, because, you know, those are stories that are, are so appealing to us. We want a hero, we want a hero. I tell you, we have a hero and his name is Jesus. And he has done a work. He has done a mighty work to save, to save. So our attention is on him. Now, all of these different stories, all of these different ways of protection are meant to just help lift our attention to him. Here's something for you to remember. There is only one way to God. Let's say his name. Let's say his name again. We've been singing his name today. One way to God, but listen, there are many roads to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. One road to God, but there are many roads to Jesus. What do you mean? All of us have our own story. All of us start somewhere. We don't have to be alike, and we don't have to have a cookie-cutter experience with our great protector. Let's just trust him to lead us. Next week, we're going to talk about group protection or group, the, the family plan or the group plan for protection, if you guys can come. And it is, it is absolutely amazing how this truth that each of us must follow his direction we can default and just think, in, especially in these weird times and the times that we're going into, somebody tell me what to do. What are you doing? I'll do what you do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. How about this? How about you talk to him? How about you talk to the great protector? And whatever he tells you to do, do it because what I saw in these stories, many of these stories and the success of protection was leveraged on the direction that God gave and their ability to follow that direction. But it's important to us that the direction that God gives to us, that we don't require it of anybody else. Everybody needs to listen to God. Everybody needs to, to fix our eyes as we were singing, fix our eyes upon him. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth and the opinions and these, this route and that route and another route grow strangely dim. And up in your heart, you know what to do in following him. Praise the name of the Lord. I'd like you to just bow your heads. Father God, I thank you for this time with you. We look into your word, and by, by your design, you made the book 
full of stories. Because they illustrate you, real live people with real live situations that a real live God navigated them through safely. Father, once again today, we say our trust is in God. Our trust is in your name. Our trust is in your word. Our trust is in your mercy. Our trust is in the Holy Spirit's ability to guide us individually and also collectively in Jesus' precious name. Father, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know the great protector, these are stories of the Bible, but to say that the God of the Bible is their God only happens by choice. We get to choose you. I pray for anybody in this room and also anybody listening that today they would choose a God who loves them, a God who sent his son to take the punishment of our sins so all that, anything in between us and him could be taken away and we could be close to this protecting God. Pray this prayer after me if you want God to be your father. Dear Heavenly Father, and go ahead, everybody in this room, if you can just pray this prayer in support to those that would be praying it today in this room or online. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you for coming after me to save me from things that I can't save myself from. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins and take them away so that I can come close to you. Jesus, I believe what you did for me and I accept it. And I believe God raised you from the dead and I believe you're alive today and I ask you to come live in my heart and I call you Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This week, exercise your trust in God before you go to sleep at night. As you're laying your head on the pillow, let the last thing you think of be this. I trust you, God. My trust is in you. I will not sleep in worry or fear. I go to sleep without a care because you are my protector. In Jesus' name. Can you just put your hands up into his protection? I thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for causing a protection to be so, so, so real. In Jesus' precious name. Be a blessing this week. Don't put your light under the table. Be a blessing. Be out there with the light of God on your face and with the love of Jesus in your voice. Bring Jesus to people.
God bless you and have a, a mighty week and we'll see you next week. Oh, um, yes, amen. Uh, tonight we're praying. We're, it's on the subject of prayer. God bless you. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.